Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, Whatever time it is that you're watching the service online, we want to welcome you. Uh, We hope that this service uh, brings you joy wherever you're at and uh, encourages you. And uh, we look forward to worshiping together with you and also uh, taking a look at what God has in his word for us today. Uh, Before we get going, we have a couple announcements. Uh, The first is about giving. So there's many different ways in which you can give uh, to Arendelle Lines Church right now, and that includes online through our website, uh, through the Tithely app. Also, you can do a pre-authorized debit. You can send us a check by mail. Uh, There's also two new ways in which you can give, uh, and that is through e-transfer, through your financial institution, and you can actually come to the church, and we have a little safe, secure drop-off spot uh, where you can put in a little envelope, uh, put your, your giving in an envelope and slide it through a, a door. So there's many different ways in which you can still give to this church. Uh, and we just uh, thank you so much for, for all that you do to keep this church running. Uh, without your giving, we can't uh, keep doing this. And so we thank you for that. And we know that some of you are going through some really difficult times right now with, with job losses, uh, maybe pay cuts, decreases in hours. Um, and, and we're here with you. Uh, we want to help you in any way we can. And we know that uh, some of you are still being blessed in, in many ways. And so as you're being blessed, remember to, to give back to those around you, uh, and including your tithes and offerings in whichever way you feel uh, God is leading you to do that. And uh, that brings us to our second announcement, which is that we have a new e-newsletter, e e-bulletin thing that we send out each week instead of a, a bulletin. And uh, this, if, if you have not received this, please contact the office to get on the mailing list. If you have been receiving these, uh, read through those. We send them each week, and it has a lot of detail, including uh, how to do the giving and, and everything else I'm about to say uh, today. We have just two more announcements, and one is, of course, we're not doing membership classes right now, as we're not supposed to meet uh, together, and, and we'll postpone that until uh, things settle down a little bit. And the, the second thing, and the last one, is that the deacons are, are doing this new uh, project. It's called Arendelle Connects. And what it is, is it's uh, for people who are stuck at home, who need help. It's that we can uh, connect with them and get people who have the means to help those who have needs uh, to go out and serve each other. So this is a little bit confusing, um, but basically if you have a need, if there's, if there's something you need, if you are shut in your house and you need groceries, um, please contact the office, and then we will find people who can uh, go out, get your groceries, and bring them to your place without uh, having any kind of connection or um, having the virus spread as much as possible. Uh, so those are our announcements. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. I'm just going to pray as we, as we start. Uh, Lord God, I thank you so much for uh, this time we have together. I thank you that even though we're all in different places, we can worship you together in one voice, in one mind, in one heart, and one soul. Uh, Lord God, I ask that as we worship together, that you quiet our hearts, uh, that whatever we've come into this week from, Lord, that you'll just lay that aside, and that, Lord, you'll give us the, the presence of mind to be able to sit still and know that you are God and worship you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
We're going to move to a time of prayer uh, before we uh, move on to this, uh, the rest of the service and the sermon. So bow with me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much that in this time where there's trials, where there's persecutions of many, many kinds, Lord, that you are sovereign. Oh, Lord, thank you that even through the, the spreading of, of the virus, Lord, you are sovereign. That, Lord, you are in control. That there's nothing out of your control. And, Lord, we, we are excited as the church to meet you so soon. And, Lord, we don't know when that time is for each one of us, but we know that we will meet you, that all will meet you in the end. And, Lord, we ask that you continue to give us the faith that is without fear, of, of our eternal destiny, that we know, Lord God, without a shadow of a doubt, that all who have called in your name, who have given their lives to you, will meet you face to face and will be saved by your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins, and that through his death and resurrection, we can be saved, and through his death and resurrection, we can be forgiven of all of our sins. And Lord God, we ask that in the times when we are afraid, uh, where, we, where we're scared of our eternal destiny, times when we are uh, not sure where we're going to end up, uh, Lord, that you give us the faith without fear, that knows without a shadow of a doubt it's not about us. It's about what your son did on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, Lord God, I thank you so much for all the ways in which you've blessed each one of us. And, and there are many times where we take your blessings for granted where we don't see all of the good that is in our lives. And Lord, I ask right now that you forgive us. Forgive us all for the times in which we take your grace and your gifts for granted. And Lord, help us to see all the ways in which you've blessed us and, and be able to uh, praise you for that. May we be people filled with praise, that everything we say is, is things that, that glorifies your name, that brings glory to you. Lord God, we thank you so much for... Uh, the different ministries that are going on in this church, and we thank you for this the new ministry that's starting up now to take care of those who are, are, are shut in, who, who can't go and get groceries and, and to try to protect them. Lord, we thank you for that ministry, and we ask that this will be a blessing, uh, that, that people will be blessed through it, and those who serve uh, will be blessed uh, through their service. And Lord God, we also lift up uh, different uh, international workers. Uh, we think of the John family in India, and we also think of, of Big River Bible Camp here in Sask. We, we ask, Lord, that you bless both those two ministries. Allow them to run. Uh, Lord, we don't know what the future holds at all, but we know that you are sovereign, and we ask that you bless these ministries and be, that, that are there able to continue to run and to be able to share the good news of Jesus uh, to those around them. And Lord, we, we also lift up our District Alliance churches and in Rostern and Russell and in Rossburn, we, we ask that you continue to bless those churches and allow them to minister to their communities and to be a light for you. And Lord, we know there are many things going on, but in all things, we, we offer everything up to you. Everything we have is yours. You've given that to us. And so, Lord, we ask that uh, you continue to look after our needs. And uh, Lord, that we will not worry, as Matthew 6 says, that, that we will have confidence uh, to know that you will look after us, you will take care of us, and, uh, and that you have given us all that we need. Uh, Lord God, we uh, pray a blessing on Pastor Dan as he comes and shares the word in a minute. And Lord, may we have open ears and open hearts to hear what you have for us today, and to all be changed in just a little way, Lord God, uh, for your glory and your honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Uh, now we're going to turn to Scripture before Dan comes. Uh, so open your Bibles up and turn to Mark. We're going to be looking at Mark 1, verses 1 to 8, and I'll be reading from the NIV, or the ESV, sorry, as it's on the screen. Uh, but since you're at home, uh, spend a few seconds. I'm going to just pause and make you go get your Bibles, open it up. It's really important that you follow along uh, with, with us and that you actually look at what the Word has for you today. So uh, let, let's, let's read. This is Mark 1, 1 to 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God. Dan, come in and share with us. Thank you very much, Pastor Matt. Well, welcome to our new, hopefully temporarily normal for church. Uh, but we're glad that you have uh, decided to tune in and to watch us uh, online. And I certainly want to thank Everybody who's involved in doing this week after week, it's very much appreciated. Let's pray. Father God, we give you praise and thanks for being the wonderful God that you are, the, the sovereign God that Pastor Matt prayed about. And uh, I do pray this morning that you would bring life to the words that I'm about to speak. Only the truth would go forth and only the truth would be received. And we ask it in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. In, in September of 2006... Uh, the, the the team on the daytime talk show, The View, were, were talking about the fifth anniversary of the 9-11 crashes uh, into the World Trade Center. And of course, the topic came to radical Islam. And they were talking about what a danger that was. And one of the co-hosts, the controversial, outspoken lady by the name of Rosie O'Donnell, made this statement. Radical Christianity is just as threatening as radical Islam in a country like America. And of course, the audience clapped and cheered and, and affirmed her in her conversation, in, in her uh, comment. But it does lead us to a question, doesn't it? Should Christians seek to be radical? Should we be people who want to live a radical lifestyle? And my response is absolutely, if. If we understand that radical Christianity is a call to live out the gospel by loving God and loving our neighbor. I don't know about you, but I think one of the greatest examples that I've seen in my lifetime, it occurred in October 2nd, 2006. And you may remember the account that a man came into an Amish school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and, and let all the young men go, all the young boys, but he, he shot and tied, tied up, shot, and killed eight young girls before he took his own life. 
But what we saw next was the most radical of radical Christianity. Instead of anger or, or, or bitterness or hatred, the Amish extended forgiveness. In the middle of their, their pain and their sorrow, they extended forgiveness and love to this very person who took the lives of these young, these young girls. One Amish leader said this, we forgive because God has forgiven us. God extends his forgiveness to us in Christ, then we must receive it. But listen to what he said next. Once we do receive it, we must share it with others. That's radical Christianity. If you read the New Testament, if you read church history, you discover that Christianity has always been, and I think always must be, a dramatically radical lifestyle. To be a disciple of Jesus requires commitment and courage, in particular in the age in which we live. And yet, not just a call to be, have commitment and courage, but to live out that commitment and courage. And not just in the extraordinary, not just in the times that we're in today with the pandemic and all of these other things that are going on. Yes, we must live it out then. But I think we also must live out that commitment and courage in the everydayness and the ordinariness of life. Just as we go about living our lives, whether there's pandemics or not pandemics, we are living a life of radical Christianity. And that's what the church did. The early church in the book of Acts, we see in Acts 17.6, that they said, these people, these Christians have turned the world upside down. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? That the Christians, especially in these days that we're in now, would turn the world upside down. And how did they do it? They did it by living out their faith in their daily lives. Just going about doing things. They would encounter people. And, and you know, John and... Uh, and Peter are walking along, and there's a, a, a paralyzed man, and they said, stand up and walk. They were just doing what they were doing, walking to the synagogue. So we live it out in our daily lives and in our encounters with others. Now, John the Baptist, as Pastor Matt just read about, was radical in almost every sense of the word. I'll be honest with you, he's not the kind of man that I would wish that one of my daughters would bring home one night to, to meet us. Uh, he was a little bit different, let's be honest. In, in Mark chapter in 1, verse 6, he was clothed with camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. But you see, it was not the fact that he lived in the desert. It was not the fact that he lived strangely. It's not the fact that he ate weird things that made him radical. It was his message. It was his lifestyle. I believe that in the life of John the Baptist, not in what he ate and wore and those kinds of things, but as we look at his life, as we look at his message, I believe we see the model of a person that God wants us to be. And so this morning, I I want us to see how we can imitate And be like this man that had this radical lifestyle. And see that we are called to live that too. Right now in the 21st century. And especially in the year 2020. As we face the uncertainty and the anxiety and the fear. And the confusion of this worldwide pandemic that we live in. 
Now, there's all kinds of things that we could go through and say that a person with a radical lifestyle does this and they don't do this and these kinds of things. But as you look at the life of John, here's what we see. The real issue is not the things that we do, but why do we do them? Why do we help out people that are, that are shut-ins in, in, a, in a time like this? People who might need food, who might need uh, uh, medical help or whatever. Why do we do that? That's really what determines whether we're living a radical lifestyle. And so what we see as we look at the life of John is we see that radical Christianity is living for a higher calling. Hundreds, hundreds of years before this, the prophet Isaiah wrote about John's mission. And it's our mission too, but he writes about John's mission. And he's speaking, Isaiah is speaking directly from the heart of God. And he writes this, and it's repeated in Mark 1, 2, and 3. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And and so John had this very simple message. And it was basically this, repent and experience God's forgiveness. And friends, all these years later, that's still our message. That's still our simple message. We have the same higher calling. We have the, the privilege and the responsibility of sharing the message of what God has done in our lives. The same as John shared. And it must be biblical, a message. And, and, and it must be a balanced message. And John's message was twofold. First of all, he challenged people to repent. Now, that's not a word we talk a lot about anymore. But he challenged people to repent, to change the way they think, change the way they live. And he said, he promised that in God's, in, in response we would experience God's forgiveness. Sin breaks the heart of God and it ruins the life of people. And if we don't repent of our sin, those things that we are doing, that sin that is rooted in our hearts will absolutely destroy us. And we could certainly talk about God's repentance and God's wrath and all of that, but really it's not so much an issue of God punishing us for our sins because sin brings its own punishment. The way we live and the way we act and the way we think, all of those things bring their own punishment. And that's why we need to have this biblical balanced message and share that message with other people, to people that we care about, and let them know about this balance of repentance and forgiveness. And so we tell the truth about repentance. Again, as unpopular a concept as it might be, we have to understand, help people understand what repentance is because repentance is not feeling guilty. Repentance is not being sorry that we got caught doing something. Repentance is a decision to stop moving in one direction and starting to move in another. And so we're moving this way. We're living this life of sin. We're holding on to our sin, all of those things. And all of a sudden, we understand this message of repentance, and we turn around, and we spend the rest of our lives seeking to walk closer and closer and closer to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Quite literally, repentance means to change our mind. 
And why that's important is this, is that when we repent, we change the way we think. And when we change the way we think, we change the way we live. And I'm sure that many, many of us could think of that when we came to know Jesus, that we lived another way, we thought another way, we acted another way. And then when we repented and we experienced God's forgiveness, we began to think differently. Now, it doesn't mean that we'll never, ever sin again, but we'll think differently about when we do sin. And we'll say, I can't keep living this way. I've got to turn this over. I've got to repent again and receive God's forgiveness. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 says that we are transformed by how? By the renewing of our mind. And repentance begins that process of renewing our mind. And I know so many people that think of repentance as this really, really negative experience, this really, really negative word. I believe the opposite. I believe that it's an incredibly positive experience. I believe that repentance is the most positive word, the most important word in the English language. Because when we repent, we turn away from what we're doing, living life for ourselves, living life under pain. And and instead, we turn from those things and we turn toward the one person, Jesus Christ, who brings true joy and true fulfillment in our lives. When we repent, we turn away from the things that destroy our lives and we turn toward the one who basically tells us that when we turn toward him and we repent and we give our lives to him, he begins to rebuild our lives all over again. He doesn't renovate. He rebuilds all over again. And so, beloved, we have a higher calling in life. We have a message to share with the world every day, but certainly in times like we're living in today. And it's not a message primarily of anger and judgment. It's a message of hope. It's a message of freedom that we can live lives of freedom when we choose to follow Christ. And that, that is a radical idea. And so we see that that John the Baptist had this higher calling that is also in our lives. But it wasn't just that. Why do we want to live a radical lifestyle? Because radical Christianity is living for a higher purpose. We've already seen in, in, earlier in verse 6 that, that, that John lived in the desert. He wore clothes made of camel's hair and ate locusts and wild honey. But here, did you ever notice this? Never once does he say, if you want to be right with God then what you need to do is live like me. You need to be a desert monk and go off all by yourself and wear these weird clothes and eat these weird foods and and all these kinds of things. It's not what he is calling us to do. He made some radical choices about his lifestyle, but we miss it if we think that that's the core of his message. That's the heart of his message. Because John was living for a higher purpose. And he was willing to sacrifice Anything, anything that got in the way of accomplishing that purpose. He was willing to sacrifice comfort for the sake of God's purpose. So that's why he chose to live in a, in a cave and, 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 and to walk around in the desert. 
He's saying that my mission, my purpose in life is not about making a comfortable existence for myself. It's about introducing people to the Messiah. That's what my life is all about. And he lived in the desert because it took him away from the day-to-day distractions of life and enabled him to focus first and foremost on God and on his purpose. He was willing to live simply for the sake of being able to give himself even more to God's purpose. See, John knew something that I think some of us as Christians today have also got to learn. It's that we are not defined by what we possess. And too often, I think that even as believers, we can use our, our, our clothes and our possessions to impress people, to create this image of success. John, John was not concerned with appearances. He was focused on his life in Christ and his message of Christ. Now, I'm not necessarily saying, let's all go home now and sell everything that we have. And go live around Swift Current, which is the closest thing to desert that we have. I am suggesting, however, that from time to time, all of us, every last one of us, should step back and evaluate our attitude toward our stuff. And be discerning and ask yourselves those tough questions. Are those things, is that stuff? And it doesn't have to be good or bad stuff. Even good stuff can get in the way and interfere with our God-given purpose. The question basically boils down to this. Do we own our stuff? Or does our stuff own us? Now, I think there's nothing wrong with sitting down to to a good meal. And I don't think there's anything particularly spiritual about eating locusts. But again, why did John do that? Because he wanted to control his natural desires rather than allowing those desires to control him. There is tremendous power in self-discipline. There's power in the ability to, to deny ourselves things that we don't really need and to make ourselves do things that we might not really want to, but we do it anyway. Living a radical lifestyle means that we hold ourselves to a higher purpose. And so why do we do those things? Why do we help people in need? Why do we perhaps volunteer at a, at a, a, a street ministry sometime or do things that are maybe outside of our comfort zone? Why? Because we're living for a higher purpose. i got news for you. Doing those things, as wonderful as they are, is not your ticket to heaven. Your ticket to heaven is that you've repented. You've surrendered your life to Christ. You received God's forgiveness. And now we live in a higher, for a higher purpose. And that's why we do those things. And so we're willing to live a life of sacrifice so that we can focus on this higher calling. And to live for this higher purpose, this sharing the good news about Jesus. Friends, I have to say this as bluntly as I can. If our purpose in life is to be comfortable, to collect stuff, to focus on our own personal desires and what we want to do, we can never, ever, ever be a radical Christian. 
A radical Christian lives for a higher purpose and for a higher calling. But then we go on and we see one more thing about John's uh, life in verse 7. That radical Christianity is living under a higher authority. Radical Christianity says, I don't live for me. I live for God. And therefore, I do whatever God calls me to do. That's what I live for. You see, John the Baptist was a great man. And he was going around doing great things. So many people thought... Here he is. The Messiah is here. But the heart of John's message was this. In verse 7. After me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whom sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I live for a higher authority and under a higher authority. And so like John. Our wills, our plans, our desires, our our very life is submitted to a higher authority, to Jesus. Like John, we're we're not trying to build our own kingdom. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. John knew his role. And beloved, we ought to know our role. In John 3.30, John says, He, Jesus, must increase, and I, John, must decrease. And so we live this radical lifestyle so that the the knowledge and the presence of Christ increases, acknowledging that we decrease. There's a saying, absolute power destroys absolutely. But you know what? John never, ever fell into this thinking that says that he had absolute power. He lived his life in submission to the authority of God. I don't think there's anything more dangerous than a person who thinks that they are too powerful to face the consequences. And throughout history, you see the lives of people who had this attitude, whether they're they're high-profile politicians or athletes or entertainers or business people, or whether they're just ordinary people, but they have this attitude that I'm the first authority. And we've watched so many of their lives implode and be destroyed. We have to remind ourselves, don't believe your own press. Don't think that you're as great as you might think that you are. Or that even other people think that you are. In Romans 12, 3, Paul reminds us, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. What does that mean? I think when I'm not drunk? No, no. Sober judgment means that I'm willing to take an honest evaluation of myself. That I seek the Holy Spirit to shine that searchlight into my spirit, into my soul, into my heart. And I look honestly at what's there. Again, I'm sure that many of us have had that experience. That one day you're looking in this spiritual mirror and all of a sudden the real you jumps out. Some attitude, some thought, some behavior that just jumps out at you and you wonder, why have I never seen that before? I thought I was doing great in that area. Our only hope for truly Christian Radical Christian living is to surrender ourselves.
to Jesus. Surrender ourselves to Jesus. And not just do it today, but do it every day. And sometimes there may be days where you do it several times a day. But we surrender our lives to Jesus. Allow him to be not only our Savior, but to be our Lord, to be the master, the the, the director of our lives. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived. But that's not what John the Baptist thought. John the Baptist never forgot that there was one who was mightier than him, far more powerful than him. In fact, he was so much greater that John said, I'm not even fit to bow down and tie the straps of his sandals. In Matthew 20, 26, Jesus introduces this radical concept to the people that he was talking to and to us. And he says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And so, beloved, this is one of the reasons that Christianity is such a radical faith. Because it calls us to live a radical lifestyle. He calls us not to exalt ourselves, but to be servants. Servants of Jesus. Servants of others around us. He calls us, spend the rest of your life Pursuing a higher calling. Remember who it is that's called you and live for him. He says that as my children, hold yourselves to a higher standard, to a higher purpose. And finally, he says, if you're my children, submit yourselves to a higher authority, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for your mercy and your grace, for your word once again, which continually encourages us and guides us, but also at times corrects us. So I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to live more and more in a radical form of Christianity. In your name we pray, amen.
Amen. Thank you, worship team. That song encapsulates everything that we've talked about today. So thanks very much. Just a reminder that if you're watching this and you have a, a need for someone to help you out with something, please contact the church office by phone, by email, and uh, we'll do everything possible. We do have a list of people that are, have committed themselves to help out in, at this time. So please, please call us. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he grant you his peace in these days of chaos. And may we remember that as believers, we have a radical call to a higher calling, a higher purpose, and living under a higher authority. Let's go forth in his name and in his power. Thanks so much for being a part of this today.